Kia ora Aotearoa, Robert Hollis here and welcome to Robert Live on Today FM. I hope your week has been epic, I hope you are smashing it, I hope life is awesome for you with whatever it is that you're up to on this fine day, whether it be in traffic, on the bus, running around the circles, doing some press ups, whatever it may be, uh, on an airplane even, train, planes, automobiles, I hope you are rocking. Uh, if you haven't already, feel free to download the Rover app, which you can do on your smartphone. And if you are on just your regular phone, whatever it is, just search for hashtag Live, and you can get the uh, get the show there. Over 330 episodes, we're smashing it, we're liking it, we're loving it, I'm learning a lot. Uh, speaking of learning, the whole point of the show is this idea around learn, share, repeat. What can we learn from who? to uh, learn more and do more, be better, be awesome. And that's basically kind of the core crux of what the show is about. And we get to talk to amazing people like today. We're going to be talking with Troy Taylor. He's the GM of Lego. You know, like Lego, you're a kid, you're playing with the Legos. He's a general manager for Australia and New Zealand uh, in Aotearoa. And he is going to be on the show today. Why I'm excited to talk to him is kind of simple, but also kind of complex. Most things in life that when you go out and you kind of go into the real world, you do adult jobs and adult things. There's not many people I've actually talked to that have uh, that live and exist at such a high level commercially within such a kid, you know, joyful, playful, young, exuberant type um, industry like Lego. So we're about to get into it, about to dig into the mix to figure out what makes it tick with the world of Lego and much, much more. Some insights. Let's see how it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Troy Taylor on Rebet Live with Today FM. Rock and roll. Kia ora, Troy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. All Great right. Let's let's get into it. And where I wanted to start was this, this concept of creativity being endless and creativity being such a differentiator, not only in play, but work and life and, and all the rest of it. You now sit as the general manager of Lego in uh, New Zealand and Australia. When you're a kid, wake up at Christmas, get all hyped up, running out, playing with it, st- stepping on them like some flipping sharks biting your feet. <laughs> would you have thought that your career path would have taken you to a point where you're so proactively deep in something which is so like primal and instinctual and, and generational as something that was so, so joyful as a child? No, I could never have imagined it, to be honest with you, because um, like most kids, I really didn't know what I wanted to do for a living, right? Um, obviously, I had a passion for Lego as a kid, and I played with Lego bricks as a kid, but for it to turn into a career and to have the opportunities that I've had and to be part of something which, you know, not many people can say they work for a purpose-driven company, um, but I could definitely say that, you know, Lego is a purpose-driven company, and I think, you know, we give back a lot to the community. We put a lot of fun on kids' faces and adults' faces now as well, because obviously adults are big into Lego, so... Yeah, I'm definitely uh, pinch myself sometimes. That's for sure. Now the um, the the adults. So what, what I've been, what I've seen. You know, I'm 37 now. I was a kid. You get these nostalgic yeah. generational hits that sort of cycle back round, and it almost yep. feels like from a commercial layer, there's this. You've got the infrastructure of Lego as physical good, but then there's also so much. Uh, not topical in relevance or campaign or brand or whatever, but it's just a constant evolving cycle because regardless of what's happening in the world, you can translate that and integrate it almost into that that base layer. When you think about, I guess, the uh, products and services or, or pr- pr- the products of when you're building Lego, do you th- think of it the same way of like, how do you, I guess, strategically look at 
um, opportunities with what you can do and, and I guess the where does the creativity start and end when you think about commercialising such a creative product? Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that all the touch points uh, are consistent, right? When you have a brand like Lego that, you know, obviously we're a physical product, but also we operate in the digital space too, right? So, you know, you can have a digital, we call it digital. <laughs> That's my Freudian slip there, but we actually do call it digital. You know, you can download the building instructions um, online and then build it physically. Um, you know, you can actually have augmented reality um, interactions with the product by downloading and scanning an app and then actually moving your tablet or device over Lego. So there's so many different ways you can play across it, but it's important that people have what we call, um, you know, a Lego brand experience. So it's got to be fun. It's got to be quirky and it's got to really get their imagination going when they have that engagement with Lego and having that consistency is so important for our brand. Do you think that like, it obviously gets harder to, you know, I've got, I've got two daughters, three and five, and we drive it along. We play this game where, I'll start to say a story. I'll be like, okay, the dragon goes over the mountain and then it sees a dot, dot, dot. And then I let them start to build the story with me. So you sort of build yeah. these these story, these stories out. Why do adults suck at forgetting what makes them joyful? And why do we grow up? You know, like, why do we? <laughs> I, 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 think it's, I, I think it's our education system, right? So when kids are born, you know, they don't have any limits. They don't have any rules. They don't have any boundaries. They basically just make stuff up as they go along. And then, of course, they go into school and they get taught to act a certain way. They get taught to think a certain way. They get taught that this is how you read. Everything's very structured, right? Um, so I think, you know, kids zero to six is probably when they're the most creative. You know, they're, they're really bound by no limits. They're bound by no rules. And I think, obviously, as adults, there's so many rules, right? You've got to conform to society in a certain way. When you go for a job or have a job interview or when you're in a workplace, there's, you know, there's governance for this, there's governance for that. So I think that's what happens, right? Um, our education system sort of teaches us that we have to think and, and be a certain way. So I think, unfortunately, as you get older, you, you get less creative, unfortunately. And I think that's where our brand comes in, right? Because, you know, it's, I guess it's creative play. It's creative learning. You're learning through play. And as you know, a lot of kids don't like school, um, but parents put a massive emphasis on education. And I think our brand can actually make education fun, right? Because you can be creative, you can be social, you can interact with your friends as you do it. Um, and I think that's why parents in particular are turning back to brands like Lego. You know, we're, we're kids away from devices, we're trying to get our kids away from screens. You know, we offer the antidote to that. And, and I think that's part of our success in recent times. When I think about the, the world of digital tech, you know, when I look at, say, social media platforms, when Facebook first comes out and it's open and open to all and public and then Snapchat comes out and it's closed off one-to-one, -one, two different business models, but both still successful. And in a world yeah. where we're extremely going more digital, more AR, more Web3, more yeah. VR, more dot, 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 that practical, tactical shift back to this analog mentality of, you know, real world touch feel, the, the, the wave that's coming through with health and wellness and being outdoors and sunlight and just all this, this stuff. It feels like there is that counter force that sort of already exists. Yeah. There's a point that you sort of bring up, Troy, which I was intrigued to double down on was that idea that, you know, zero to six, they're just full of, you know, openness and creativity, but then it, it almost like these layers of institutionalization comes over the top to get them in that box. And the classic in, in the entrepreneurial world, I mean, I, I've never worked for a corporate, but it's, you get a 40 year old that's worked in corporates for 20 years that jumps out to try and start a startup. Yep. 
their mental framework of how they operate is like an operating system that <laughs> is either potentially, it's like a Windows 95 or something. It's just, it's like Mac versus Windows, whatever it may be. But it's very, you're so right in that. Like we get institutionalized for what we think is possible and, and what's yeah. not. And there becomes this thing about this mindset, right? And the, that joy of like nostalgia. So say for me, if I like saw, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or a Saved by the Bell or a, whatever it may be, those things sort of pull back in. And and even, you know, like here in the States, I was looking down and then I saw some flare jeans the other day. And I was like, dude, those were from like 20 years ago. And then they just looped back around. So in a, in a weird way from a commercial set, do you macro think of it like it doesn't matter what happens because whatever's next has already been and you're just going to circle through, but it's how you creatively navigate better products and, and yeah. opportunities within those moments? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously toys is a very trend-driven industry and it's cyclical, right? So, I mean, if you look at, what's hot in toys now is what's hot in toys, you know, when we were kids, like, you know, Barbie is still very popular. You know, He-Man's making a comeback, believe it or not. Hot Wheels cars, um, Lego bricks, you know, it's not too dissimilar um, to what we had, um, you know, back in the day when we were growing up. So I think it's cyclical, but I think, you know, from a Lego group perspective, you know, we, we have this saying, you know, children are our role models. So if we continue Ooh, to develop- I like products, it looking through the eyes of children, we're going to be okay, right? Because, you know, you might have a two by four red brick. And as an adult, we're like, that's a red brick. But to a kid, that's a lion. To a kid, that's a car. To a kid, that's a spaceship. You know, their, their boundless creativity and imagination is so inspiring. So when we develop our product, we create them with kids in mind. And we actually get feedback from kids along the development process. And yeah, that's the motto of the company, you know, kids are our role models and children are our role models. So as long as we're looking through the lens of children, I think we'll continue to be successful because obviously they are our North Star for how we want to develop our brand. Um, and I guess you could say our core reason for being, because if we don't capture children's imagination to play with Lego bricks when they're young, they won't become the affoles, the adult fans of Lego, when they get older. So it really starts for us with the kids and that's you know our main reason for being as a company there's something you said there true which I wanted to dig in on it was you know zero to six they're full of ideas opportunity they get institutionalized in this middle but then yeah. they pop out the other side and you know um then say within even the entrepreneurial mindset or someone that's in the creative industries they sit on this other sort of spectrum so the way i kind of yeah. look at it it's, it just seems like there's this kind of like uh hourglass that's that's on its side that's like we start creative we get squeezed but then this other side yeah. they, they sort of feel and there's this age bracket that goes with it too so when you think it's it's of such a um i'm always very intrigued is probably a light word for it but whenever there's an intersection of like creativity and commerce my brain just i flip and love that space because i feel tension on both sides but in a lot of say you know if you're selling like you know, cardboard boxes or something. It's just kind of copy paste formulaic type things, but in a creative industry, it's almost in similar ways to run a creative agency in, in many respects where you, your, your product is creativity, right? I think it goes back to my point earlier, right? Remembering the kids, your primary concern. So your end user. So we make sure that within the Lego group, you know, our workplace is fun and engaging. You know, we have models of Lego everywhere. We invite children into the office quite a lot. Um, we go out to events quite a lot. So it's really making sure that you're aware of who your end user is. So we're quite blessed that we have a great product. People love it. 
Um, so it's making sure you stay in that mindset. I mean, of course, you have to have governance and rules. You know, when you're a big global company like the Lego Group is, you have to make sure the brand is represented consistently, right? You know, we're 90 years old. We just celebrated turning 90 this year. Um, so it's important that we maintain the quality of how the brand is represented. However, through our products, we always have to remember, you know, it's kids playing with it, right? Uh, we're not solving <laughs> the world's issues here. We're trying to create you know, a really fun and engaging childhood for kids, you know, with, with our products. So we just have to continue to remind ourselves of that. And I think that's how we stay in that creative space. So then switching it to the the workplace, you were saying that, you know, you get kids to come into the office and whatever, and, you know, yep. a lot of different other corporates, they'll have, you know, like a day, yeah, bring your kid to work day type thing, whatever. How has the culture manifested itself differently within the Lego group being so creatively driven where the product and end consumer is someone that's under six years old? And what, how does that manifest itself in the real world practically to Bob from HR who's rolling up from Monday to Friday? Yeah, well, we, we have this thing called the Lego brand framework. So basically when you start with the Lego group, you know, you're inducted into the Lego brand framework. So it's all about our history and heritage of the Lego group. Um, we have a motto as well, only the best is good enough. And, that, and it's a Danish motto and it translates into only the best is good enough for children. So making sure that, you know, it's the highest quality product, the most fun it can be. Um, you know, we have to have a level of humor and a level of um, fun that goes along with that. So obviously everybody is definitely inducted, no matter whether you're in finance, HR, operations, logistics, that, you know, there's a set of criteria and values that we have. Um, which is very, very important, um, you know, for working for the Lego group, you know, because we are not just moving widgets, you know, we are selling an iconic toy, which has a lot of heritage and has a lot of memories and a lot of nostalgia, right? So we need to make sure as custodians of the brand, we're aware of that, you know, we always say we don't own the brand, you know, the kids and the fans own the brand. In our period of time that we're with the company, we're the custodians, so we have to make sure that when the product it gets to the, the the child's hands or the adult's hands, they have a fun and engaging experience from when they bought the product to when they went to the checkout um, to when they um, built the product, the building instructions, everything has to be through this lens um, to make sure it's a consistent experience along the way. And I guess that's a value proposition, right? That's what makes us different to you know, other companies, I would say. So, so culture-wise, and I was just looking at, I'm thinking about the stats of it within an organisation. Yeah. Would have you got the data on what percentage of staff that work for Lego actually have children compared to other organizations? And is it about uh, 99.5%? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't. That's a really good question. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, I've got two young boys, I've got a 10 year old and an eight year old. Um, if I look at my leadership team, I would say 90% of people in the leadership team have children. So, um, yeah, I couldn't tell you the percentage to be honest, but uh, it's a good question to ask. Well, it's always that thing of, you know, like if you grew up in a in a ski family, like what percentage is ski versus snowboard? If you grew up in a rugby fam, who plays the league of rugby? <laughs> yeah. if you, you know, there's always these kind of like little threads of point. stuff within it. But yeah. And so one thing that I was interested in when I knew I was going to talk to you, uh, Troy, was this idea around brand, right? Now, years ago, everyone's heard of this thing now called GoPro. These small mm. little action cameras, you go do the things, right? Yeah. GoPro. But when I first saw them, ever get released and I saw them at um, a snowboard trade show and like this is like, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it may be. Um, everyone was like, GoPro, GoPro. And they didn't exist before. And the brand, which was a product became a verb. 
the product yeah. brand became the action. Mm-hmm. And and I it's a bit like, like Esky, right? <laughs> well, and I say it was like, hey, so GoPro. It's like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's a GoPro. And even if it's not a GoPro brand, they don't know what to call it because yeah. there was a gap in the market for the thing. And then all of a sudden everyone called the, the verb and the action, the actual product name, mm-hmm. which just increased its value insanely massive. Lego is extremely similar, right? People say, oh, it's, a, it's a, your Lego, regardless whether the brand is or isn't, it is Lego. And they've managed to do it from, from obviously years before, 90 years before it. But there's something genius about what would have happened 90 years ago within the world of marketing. And I, my question was, do you, you'd obviously know the history better than most. Was that moment in time of taking the brand as the logo, as the action which became a verb, the same exact thing that GoPro did 15 years ago? Because if it is, you're talking about generational great marketing. That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've probably noticed through our chat today, I, I'm very careful to use the term Lego bricks <laughs> because we don't want Lego to be a generic term for, for building, right? Because the Lego brick is quite iconic. And obviously, um, you know, we produce and develop our own toys, right? One of very few toy manufacturers globally that still make their product. A lot of uh, our competitors actually outsource their manufacturing through, you know, manufacturing in either Vietnam or China. We still produce our own our own product. So we are, you're right, we're a one-branded company, which makes us very different to, I guess you could say, our competition who have multiple sub-brands underneath. Um, so I guess... I don't think it was done by design um, deliberately, but it's turned out that way because obviously we, you know, people think of building blocks or construction bricks and they do think of Lego bricks as part of that. But obviously, you know, we, we believe we are quite different to other building, you know, platforms out there because obviously with ours, it's a very consistent experience. We have great clutch power. So if you put two bricks together and shake it, it won't fall apart. Um, the Duplo brick, which is the double-sized brick, fits into the Lego brick. So it's actually a system of play. The different platforms and different size bricks fit together. And that's what makes the Lego brick and the Lego system in play so much different to any other toy on the market because it's a system. Those are some great PR sound bites, Troy. I'm going to tell you, you've, you've, <laughs> you've hit those ones out of the park. I didn't think we'd be talking about the specific dynamics of, of stru- structure and angles and, and things, but I, I from Very, uh, very important, outside, these things. <laughs> hey, wor- words matter, Troy. Words matter. I'm more than well aware. But I, I, I just love... These these things of like the story behind the story, the idea behind it, and the thinking behind it. Because from the the regular outside, you come up, you're like, oh, just go grab play with some Lego, get some kids and stuff, blah blah blah. But these all these little things are moments of opportunity which create that touch point and and either nostalgia or the feeling towards a brand. And they see the bright colors, they see the reds, they see the yellows, they yeah. have these all these association. There's yeah. You know, it's a thing of like, you know, um, was it uh, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication? Yeah. I, I totally agree. You know, and then. Yeah. But then also was going to maybe um, get into next show. I was wondering about when you've got such a different product set, like let's say within the world of uh, big advertising, right? You've got a big brand yeah. comes through. It's, it's um, McDonald's, right? You've got one global brand. You've got a hundred, you've got hundreds of different localized hyperlocal messaging, right? Yeah. And the power and the structures that need to be in place to make sure you hyperlocalize the actual messaging that's required to those markets is usually extremely different from country to country and the products and whatever else as well. Can you just talk through that without getting to obviously details, any IP stuff to get anyone in trouble from legal. Um, but how do you think about the way that the business and brand and group 
sections out creativity to hyper-localized markets globally in real time? Yeah, so we have a consistent model, right? So we have a global assortment um, that we have, which goes to pretty much all markets and such, but there is a level of autonomy locally where you can, you know, adapt to local nuances. Um, so as an example, if there's a if there's a huge occasion in New Zealand, we want to do an activation, say the All Blacks happen to win, which they win a lot, <laughs> you know, we could do something local there to be part of that moment. Um, so there is a, a level of localization, but I would say 80 to 90% of it is probably global to keep that consistency because we want people, no matter where they go in the world, to know that Lego stands for quality, it stays for creativity, um, and that messaging is consistent. But there's probably a 20 to 10% localization um, that is applied in the markets we operate to connect with yeah, the local so, consumer, right? Yeah, so there's this there's a scalability so you basically say if it's at an 80 20 but there's this there's this i like that quality and the, the creativity side so let's talk about that 20 percent. how do you hyper localize collaborations and markets which don't have the same numbers to make it the roi actually work f- commercially because i know you know i used to be a professional athlete in a prom- former life as a snowboarder and anytime there was like brands and products and whatever you're talking about oh cool it's new zealand you know, you've got Five million people. It's like point zero. It's a it's a rounding error for the world. Yeah. But then there's no chance you're getting a, co, a, a pro model collab coming out of flipping New Zealand. It's going to sell a hundred boards or something, right? Yeah. Is there? How do those conversations usually work when you balance when you cha- have the challenge of uh, creative collaborations versus commercial realities to actually have enough scale and size to make it worthwhile? Yeah, I think New Zealand's a great example. Actually, like we are the only toy company left in New Zealand that actually has. I guess you could say a direct relationship with the market. So we have a team of 15, 16 people on the ground here. Um, We have an office in Auckland. We have field sales reps that go and service stores. Our key account managers talk directly to customers. So we actually have a direct model here in New Zealand where all of our competition have basically got a distributor model. So they outsource their- Wholesale retail, yeah. Wholesale retail, exactly. So we're a big believer in having direct relationships because that's how you truly understand what's happening on the ground. You know what the shopper needs are, you know what, the marketing dynamic is so to your point it's an expensive exercise it's not cheap to do that but i guess the luxury of being a privately held company you know we do things for the long term we're not here for a quick buck uh, obviously we've lasted 90 years and we'd like to be here for another 90 years so we are big on establishing long-term relationships and what we say doing things properly so we're not sort of a company that cuts corners we really invest in the future so new zealand's a great example that yeah all other toys um manufacturers unfortunately um, in the last five years, have pulled out of New Zealand. Lego is the only one that's left that actually has a direct, you know, relationship. Because I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, employing local, having local understanding of the needs, and you get a lot of respect through that, right? The retailers really appreciate it. The shoppers appreciate it, and I actually think there's a strategic advantage to us because we probably get more from a commercial aspect. We get away with more in the market than what other toy suppliers would because of that direct relationship. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it was kind of a, a, a direct, uh, there's no, it was, wasn't a straight wholesale retailing. No, we have a direct, yeah, we have a direct model here. So we have a, a distribution warehouse here. Um, as I said, we have an office, we have sales reps on the road, we have marketing, we have operations, we have a full uh, end-to-end setup here based in New Zealand. Very cool. So yeah. what, let's let's ask the hard questions. You're obviously the GM of this thing, right? You get yeah. early access to the cool stuff that's coming out. Does it just <laughs> happen to be 
that your ki- your kids at home get to have the next year's promo stuff before they get released to the public and you guys get hyped <laughs> every time the new stuff comes. Because I can tell you from the world of action sports or anything else, there's always yeah. prototypes that come out. And if you're in the circle, you get that shit first. Is it true that you may or may not get access to the coolest, most exclusive Legos in the, that the world's ever seen that other public <laughs> won't even get a chance to just because of your job? The sexy answer would be to tell you yes, but the truth of the matter is no. Um, oh, come on. No, we're the most, unfortunately, we are the most copied toy in the world and one of the most copied brands in the world. So we have very strict <laughs> timelines and deadlines of when we actually launch our products, so global product launches. So to make sure we don't have any leaks in the market, my kids get it when it's launched. But unfortunately, I don't get to bring anything home earlier than that because of that. <laughs> well, there was, I remember that. I'm that sorry to disappoint song. you. <laughs> I'm kind of gutted, actually, because no, well, you know, in the in states here in Silicon Valley, with uh, when Steve no, Jobs was here, they had there was the big drama when uh, there was an iPhone when the iPhone four was out, and iPhone five got given to one of the tech guys who went out with an iPhone four case, got drunk yeah. at a bar, dropped it, and it became this whole big thing because this this <laughs> thing had gone out and blah blah. blah. It was just like this world changing thing, which is kind of kind of funny. No, but in almost every industry, not. you always get things. So man, they they hold a tight a tight rein. So I yeah, actually very much so. Yeah, I, I didn't realize yeah. they w- were um, are still privately held. So what have the dynamics been in terms of, of ownership? Has it just been family and big stuff and global? Like, how does that all sort of work? Yeah, so we're fourth generation ownership now. So uh, Thomas Kirk Christiansen is now the fourth generation owner of the Lego Group. He just took over from his father, Calvin Kirk Christiansen, who was the former um, owner and CEO of the company for a very long period of time. So it's always been in the Kirk Christiansen family um, for, for the full 90 years and they have no ambitions to uh, have it any other way, right? They really want to keep it a family-owned enterprise and make sure that it's here for another 90 years and they're very passionate about family ownership. They're very active owners actually within the company. So to that point, there was some, I think the data shows out by, you know, mostly a, a friend of mine is a CFO of a bigger family uh, family office and the data that they, when they were looking at it, I think I think the number I don't I wanted to say the exact percentage, but basically by the third generation of family wealth or businesses don't go well. <laughs> by mm-hmm. the third, they you know they grow up whatever. So the fact that as yep. soon as you said four, I'm like, huh. So the the thinking that exists internally within that family clearly realizes that this is global generational good for others, nothing right. to do with and and is that generational thinking themselves is just like you're you are also a guardian for this thing because we don't want to change anything so is that when when you talk about these you know these brand frameworks and some of the mantras and stuff i actually don't know if i've actually talked to anyone within an organization that's been fourth generation definitely three what what does it feel like to be in a privately working within a privately held group that's obviously big and global that's driven by people with intentions aren't about let's IPO and make a billion dollars or blah 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 blah. and then that's kind of feel secondary what is how, how what does that feel like and how is it different to other businesses you may have seen? Yeah, it's good because I guess it provides a lot of stability for the organization, right? Because, um, you know, you're not chasing quarterly shareholder numbers or, or, I mean, of course, we all have targets. We're in a, you know, we're obviously in a commercial role as such, but we always make decisions for the long term, right? And we play the long game. Um, and I think that's the advantage of family ownership, especially fourth generation family ownership, where obviously you know, the family does quite well for themselves and they want to make sure that this is here for another 90 years so they can continue to, to make it intergenerational. So that's nice. Um, I think it's nice to work for a company that's purpose-driven um, and has strong values. So um, the owner family gives back through the Lego Foundation, 25% of all the profits we make each year is donated back to children's charities. 
through the Hold the, the line caller. 25% of net? And is that globally? Globally. So 25% of our profits each year uh, are given back through children's charities through the Lego Foundation. So the Lego Foundation, you know, gives back to um, whether it's children's hospitals, whether it's children in need in Africa that don't have access to play materials, um, whatever that may be. Um, yeah, the philanthropic arm of the Lego Group through the Lego Foundation is very... Um, very generous. So it's pretty nice to work for a company that does that. I can't name another company that gives back a quarter of their profits each year to children's charities. Um, it's pretty impressive, right? And it makes you feel very proud to work for a company that, you know, gives back. Um, it's not just all about, you know, lining the pockets of the owner. They actually really give back um, to the communities they operate in. Um, if you look at Billund, which is the town that the Lego Group is from and where we still have our headquarters today, the amount of investment that the owner family has put into that local town they built the airport for the town. Yeah, downtown Billund has basically um, been built for the community itself. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, and they're very active, right? Like we hear from Keld and Thomas quite a lot um, within the company, whether it be on the Lego intranet, which is our internal um, company communication portal, whether it's through town hall updates, um, whether it's a nice Christmas message. We get a Christmas gift from the owner family every year. Um, whatever it may be, they're quite active, right? So you feel the presence of the owners. You feel like you're actually working for a family-run company, and I think that's a really nice feeling. A uh, good friend of mine, he's done very well for himself. He's a family-owned business, uh, yeah, th- third generation, you know, done very very well. And just even talking to him about that same thing of, you know, do you have any desire to sell? Hell no. Do you have any desire to this? Definitely not. Have you any? And it's that same thing of as soon as their framework's been set up of like, yeah. this is how and why they operate, it feels like so much of the mental bandwidth for unnecessary conversations during around commercial things which don't actually matter, like the quarterlies yeah. or this or that, or shareholders yeah. of stock and the board and this and that, all those other things go out the door. And, and yeah. he's just like, we spend more time when we're focused on the thing with the customers, with the clients, with them in right. person, and then they, exactly to your point, Troy, they then feel that because you're actually there and you're not just some ivory tower thing chucking a logo on something and then yeah. having to pay on the 20th, you know? 100%, and, and it makes decision-making very easy, right? Because we know what our North Star is. We know what the owner wants and the way they want the company to be run. Um, we know we've got you know, stakeholder management. So we always talk about when we deal with our retail partners to get the product to retail, to get it to the shelf so the shopper can buy it, you know, making sure it's important that they make money. Because if they make money, we make money, we get orders, right? So it's really making sure that everyone along the value chain that you're dealing with is having a successful relationship with the Lego group, whether it's your media agency, whether it's your retailer, no matter who's on that end of the relationship, they're doing well as well. Because um, I think, and they have a really good experience of dealing with Lego as well. So this whole sort of way of operating and way of being, which makes it very easy to work for the Lego group, because you know what role you have to play. Hmm. So your career to this point, if you were to look back at, um, you know, leave high school again to the real world. Yep. If your career to if your career to date was a tweet, what would that tweet say? Oh, wow, that's a. That's uh, that's an interesting one. If my career was to be tweet, uh, probably back yourself. Trust your gut. How, back yourself. What has your journey within the organisation been to get you to, to GM? You've obviously backed yourself to this thing because you're not yeah. some 70-year-old, old rich white dude in glasses hanging there with their pocket square. You're a young buck that's smashing smashing shit. So clearly you've you've been yeah. focused and backed yourself. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I've been with the Lego Group 20 years. I just celebrated 20 years. What? I started when, yes. 
20 years. So I started with Lego when Dude, I was Dude, you're part of the family, mate. You're part of the family. Did, did email just come out when you started? What the hell, man? Yeah, well, <laughs> correct. So I started off, um, I'd finished uni. I grew up in country Victoria in Australia. So I grew up in Geelong uh, in a rural town. And um, I'd finished my marketing um, degree as such. And then um, Geelong was a very blue-collar town, right? It's the home of the Ford Motor Company. I know Geelong. Yeah. Shell, refinery, all this stuff. So I was working at Target. I was basically stacking shelves at Target, um, Troy from Toys, <laughs> working in the toy department. And the Lego rep came in and said, hey, there's a job going at Lego. You know, I think you'd be great for it. Why don't you throw your hat in the ring? And I did. So I started off as a sales rep on the road, servicing toy stores in country Victoria at the back of my Commodore wagon. <laughs> and then basically sort of worked my way up through the ranks. I thought, wow, this is a pretty cool company. I put smiles on people's faces when I speak to them. They seem to look after their employee base. You know, I think this is somewhere I can grow. I think this is somewhere I can build a career. And yeah, from the day that I started, I had this ambition. I want to be the general manager one day and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. So from there, I moved to from Geelong to Sydney in 2007, um, did some national account roles there. Then I moved to the US, worked in the US for three years. Then I came back like a boomerang to Australia, did another six or seven years. And then I've just spent the last five years in Asia. I was the general manager for um, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Macau, heading up our Greater China business. Then I did Singapore, Malaysia. And then finally, I came back as the GM for Australia and New Zealand, which is the role I really wanted to, to begin with 20 years ago, uh, to be able to head up you know, the country that I come from and the region that I come from, which you know I'm extremely proud of. So it's been a, a pretty cool journey. I had to back myself. I had a lot of self-doubt along the way because you know I was from country Victoria and I had never even been on an airplane before before I joined the Lego group. <laughs> so it was a big learning, um, but you know, I'm really proud of where I've landed. I'm very thankful to the Lego group for the opportunities that and the trust they've given me, right? Dude, what a flipping journey. So prior to <laughs> yeah. you, for, for starters, people usually at your age have never stayed at a company for that long. They've never yeah. stayed to their mission, to their dream the whole way through. And yeah. I imagine within an organisation where it's been so clear set from day one with how they operate, you yeah. know what type of family operation that is. And then yeah. the loyalty that you're showing back is literally becomes part of that. But also yeah. as well, the cool thing is when you when you can like visualise that spot of where you want to get to. So my yeah. next part was going, okay, cool. You've gallivanted and pissed around all around the world doing all this crazy cool shit. How have you navigated that with a young family, eight and ten, yeah. through it? And was that part of the reason for for the back thing to, to, to reset? Because I'm imagining if every couple of years you're like, hey, wifey, you want to go to Singapore? She's like, well, I just, the kids yeah. just going to school and the fun thing. And then, like, talk me through the balancing off of, I guess, maybe personal per 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 yep. career progression. progression balanced with making sure that your wife doesn't punch you in the face because you're packing up every couple of years. Yeah. Well, it was easy when I was younger, right? Because we were boyfriend girlfriend when I said, let's go to Sydney. So that was an adventure. And she was from a smaller town than me. She came from Colac on a dairy farm. So she, so for her, her big move in life was moving to Geelong. And then I moved into Sydney. And that was like a big thing. Easy at the start. When we moved to the US, we had no kids. We had my son, James, um, our first son, James, in America. So he's an American. He's got an American passport. Um, and then coming home that time around was quite convenient because obviously we could be closer to family but when we moved to Asia that was challenging because obviously we just had Ethan our second child he was born in Sydney um, and that got harder um, but my wife is very adventurous she can see the value of the kids being brought up in a different environment where they'd be exposed to different cultures different languages 
um, have experiences very different to what me and my wife had. You know, we grew up in, you know, rural Australia, not much diversity, not much cultural diversity at all. Um, so she can see the value in that. Um, and I think while the kids are young and they're not too deep into their school education, you know, it was quite doable. No doubt it's going to get harder as we get older, but I think, you know, you just got to take every opportunity as you see it and you've got to look at it through the lens of, yeah, it's good for my career selfishly, but it's also an adventure for the family and we're creating, you know, memorable experiences for the family and for the kids, right? And um, we're making them more well-rounded citizens of the world versus just seeing one culture and one idea of the world, I guess. So, yeah, it's worked out well to this point, but no doubt it's a challenge, right? And it's something that's in the back of my mind a lot as I have been fortunate enough to climb the ladder. What You're always thinking three or four years ahead, right? What's your next move? Where could you go next? What's the tap on the shoulder going to be next? Um, so sometimes that makes me anxious, but that's the reality of the role that I'm in and that's the reality of working for a global company such as Lego that's international. You know, that that's just what you sign up for, right? So you've got to be aware of that. But there's no doubt... Taking a family on the journey is something that uh, is also exciting, but also quite daunting at times. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot in there, right? So when I was I grew up on a farm in Dougville, till I was four, then Fiji till I was eight, nine, then back to Christchurch, then you know lived out of yep. a suitcase for ten years, traveling the world doing yep. the snowboard thing or whatever. The greatest thing I feel that I did when I was young was travel and see the world. It gave me yeah. the biggest perspective for different cultures, different yeah. different food, different communication, different people, different vibe, different like scene, and it just opens your whole bubble Absolutely. out. And I think it was, it was one of like the most, the coolest, you know, like I was living in Japan for a bit when I was 11 years old and I went to, you know, like I lived again yeah. when I was 17 and, and just everywhere. It's so under... Um, I actually think it's an amazing blessing and opportunity that 99% of other people don't actually get to go do. And where it where it really comes out trumps is, as um, I felt I've grown up too, being able to have way more empathy and understanding for all different types of people, regardless what they're into, how they roll, where they're from, what they do, whatever. And, and it, it brings along a way bigger... Um, a lot less judgment for actually being able to get along with, with others. And so I think that's actually... That's what I was asking you too, because... I know as kids, those experiences and stuff, they will all remember all those cool pocketed things. Oh, I remember we went and saw that thing. Oh, and then we said, you know, and like those things matter instead of, I'm not just saying it's just, you know, you stay in this little bubble and yeah. copy paste, but I can guarantee you if it was a Geelong or a Christchurch or Auckland or whatever it may be, and if you were there for them for the whole 20 years or the adventure that they're actually having, I think you'll be historically correct that the experience they're having now will shape them in way more ways than you're probably aware of. Yeah, I hope so. I mean... The fact they've had the opportunities to learn a second language, like both my kids speak a bit of Mandarin, they know a bit of Cantonese. I mean, that was just something I never got exposed to, right? I didn't get exposed to second languages and that's a big regret of mine, right? Um, where they've got that opportunity now and they, they're using that platform and they, they use the language quite a lot actually in Australia because we have a big Chinese population in Australia too. So um, yeah, I hope you're right, but time will tell. No, no, I, I, I love it. So when you think about the, um, I guess the future of, of when you look at, the next 20 years, yep. 20 in the game, fast forward another 20, how do you think you would have grown as a leader and what do you think your life will look like? I think as a leader, you know, I've changed a lot because I think I've been inspired by so many different cultures and I've been humbled in so, so many different times along my journey. You go in with a perception that's just human nature. You have these preconceived perceptions or ideas through your childhood or whatever and then those are just smashed through your... <laughs> 
through your real life um, experience along the way. So I think I was very, very driven when I was younger to get to where I wanted to get to. But I think now my big learning is trying to be in the moment more. And I think COVID taught all of us that, right? Um, instead of always looking at the next thing, try and enjoy the thing that you're actually currently in the middle of. <laughs> um, and I think COVID and age has probably taught me that I need to smell the roses a bit more and stop being so forward driven and, and be in the moment more. So I think that's something that's been a big learning for me recently. Um, where do I want to be long term? Or well, in 20 years, I'd like to be on a beach somewhere sipping a pina colada. I don't want to be working. <laughs> I have this fantasy of doing a lap of the map. So me and my wife talk a lot about getting a caravan and taking a full 12 months to travel around Australia and having no set agenda. We like this spot. Let's park the van here for a couple of weeks, a couple of days, a couple of months, and then just picking another spot on the map and then going there and basically having no structure for 12 months and just exploring, you know, Australia and New Zealand for that matter um, is something that we talk about quite a lot. But, yeah, I definitely don't want to be working in the next 20 years, that's for sure. <laughs> I've got a um, – it's funny you say the, the camper thing. I've got a, 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 a list that I've got on my computer and it's called the Escaper Van – and I've got all these <laughs> things I want in it. I was like, I want a solar panel thing. I want the, the yeah. surf racks here. I want to be able to have the clubs in the And I've, I've thought this thing out because I love the idea of being able to. And so what I actually did uh, four years ago is I was having this I, this whole concept of, I had I felt there was all this like physical weight on me with like buildings and assets and all these other things. And when we shifted to the States, I just literally gassed everything. And I got, I had a, a one go bag. And my go bag yeah. was literally just a one backpack. And I call it like, you know, my, my million dollar media bag where how could I run a million dollar um, media company out of one backpack and, and I can be anywhere in the world and I don't need to check in luggage. And it was a very specific thing. Yeah. And then I actually, fi I finally cracked it down to this one thing and I've still got, and, and I've upgraded my, I call it my go bag, but I've got a go bag for my work stuff that I can just jump on a plane and go. And I've got a go bag for yeah. when we go to Tahoe, we got a place in the family's got a place in South Lake Tahoe and it's got like literally all my gear and everything. And it's just all set to go. So I could literally walk out of here and it just mentally f gives me so much, uh, mental freedom of knowing that yeah. I can just go do the thing. And it's just such a mental thing for me. So you me hearing you talk about that, I'm just like, but what do you call it? Lap of the, lap on a, lap of the, lap lap of the, of the map. map. Lap of the map. I'd like to do it in See, New Zealand. Awesome. I'd like to do it in Australia. And I'd like to do it in Australia. I think to have that freedom to explore our own backyard, because so many people are quick to go to Europe or do what you're doing, right? Quick to go to the States, but we have so much in, in New Zealand and Australia to enjoy. Um, and I think, being able just to do that with that freedom of choosing where you want to go and if you like a place to stay longer, I think it'd be super cool. So that's, uh, that's on cool. my bucket list, but we'll, we'll see if we get to that. I hope I do get to that. <laughs> well, by then you're going to have like Starlink 4K satellite, big screen in there and you'll have know. a flip and you, you'll have, you'll have all the, all the things. Who knows? Maybe I could build it out of Lego bricks, you know. Oh, <laughs> but it'll be electric. And then it'll be, and then we'll, we'll fractionalize each, <laughs> we'll fractionalize ownership as if they were like little NFTs that we'll then do on the, on, on the web three world. Um, Absolutely. very cool, man. If there was a, a six year old or a 10 year old listening to this right now, that's, uh, thinking about where life can take them, what mm. advice would you give that person? I think no matter what opportunity you get, just have a crack because it can lead to anything. I mean, I didn't start out thinking I'd end up having this journey at, at Lego, but you don't know what you don't know, right? So we can have all these plans and we're told to get a great tertiary entrance rank to go to university and then go to university and study a degree. You know, nine times out of 10, you end up in a job that isn't what you studied, right? 
So I think just be open to so many different opportunities. And I think the next 10 or 20 years, there's going to be so many different jobs that haven't even been created yet, which people get into. So I really think as long as you've got good values, you've got a good work ethic, you can relate to people and you're open-minded, you can really go anywhere you want. It really comes down to yourself. I don't think it really comes down to where you were born or what your education is. The beauty of this world that we live in today is, you know, you can be anything really that you put your mind to. So I think just get in there and have a crack and follow your passion. It's important, right? Spend a lot of your time at work. It's important to do something you love. It's important to do something you like, right? Because you're a long time dead. So do something that makes you happy and makes you fulfilled versus, you know, what you think your parents want you to be. On that note, we'll leave it there. I really appreciate your time, Troy. This has been um, absolutely awesome. Congrats on the uh, the long game so far, playing it well and two decades <laughs> into it, mate. You're at on fire. Um, really appreciate your time, bro. Enjoy the rest of the day. My pleasure. Great to chat. Enjoy the rest of your day too. Take care. Awesome. That was Troy Taylor, General Manager of Lego Australia and New Zealand. How good was that? There was all these things, you know, like <laughs> that he was bringing up, which I was like, whoa, those are new words. I haven't heard that before. Have you heard of fidgetal before? Physical and digital. That intersection. I've never heard of fidgetal. You know, uh, was it AFOLs was the other one? It's like adults that are fans, AFANS, AFOLs, whatever it was. Um, th- this idea that we get institutionalized with our headspace of creativity is obviously a real thing. This concept that, you know, you get into the real world, you start doing the thing nine to five, it boxes and constrains what you think may be actually doable. And I, it's so cool to see um, a business and organization that's run for that long, uh, keeping the freedom and keeping the creativity driven within it also the culture of it where you know it's not driven by shareholders or investors and quarterly earnings reports and yada 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 90 years of a business with four generations of a family do the flipping math i don't think lego's going anywhere and just that level of and for him as well i mean troy 20 years in the same company going from you know just a little sales rep to now being the gm and traveling all over the world what an amazing cool journey for him and his whanau as well uh also, can you name another flipping big corporate that gives 25% of its net profits out to others? How flipping sick. Let's go. I was hearing that. I was like, dude, this is awesome. You you do you, bro. Flipping epic. So that's been the show for today on Rebet Live on Today FM. I hope you've enjoyed it uh, with Troy Tanner, the GM of Lego. I didn't really think, did I expect the ch- chat would go like that with someone that sells Lego? Uh, yes, I did. Oh, and actually, did I? I mean, surely I did because it's the intersection of creativity and commerce. I the, I got some words and insights of stuff that I hadn't thought about before, which was really cool. And it was just such a great, great, cool story from a good dude doing great things. So good on him, good on his whanau, and I hope uh, he smashes it for the next 20 years before he starts to travel around the world or travel around um, Australia and New Zealand. Hopefully more time in New Zealand than Australia, to be fair. But, you know, we'll digress. Uh, anyway, enjoy the rest of the week, whatever you're up to. Uh, don't forget to download the Rover app or um, hashtag Rebet Live on Spotify podcast, wherever it is that you get your you get your audio to listen and to learn to do more. Be good, be great, and I'll see you soon. Peace.